This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're listening to this podcast right now, then I'm going to assume that you would also enjoy listening to audiobooks. Whether you're interested in business, history, comedy, science fiction, or romance, Audible has thousands of titles for you to choose from. We want you to try out Audible for free, so if you head to our link, you'll get a 30-day free trial and a free book. So go to audibletrial.com slash local hustlers podcast to redeem your trial today. Again, that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com slash local hustlers podcast. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, your go-to source for connecting with small businesses and entrepreneurs in the East Valley. Get ready to be inspired by local entrepreneurs as they share their stories, mindset, best tips, and advice. And now, your co-hosts, Dallin and Eric Huso. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers Podcast. This week, we're super excited to be here with Stephanie Tolley with Marvelous Fanatic Salon. I know you're listening to this, not reading it, but if you were, the Marvel and Marvelous and the Fan and Fanatic are both capitalized. So we'll get to the meaning behind all that in a second. But Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's going to be a fun episode. Um, take a few minutes before we dive into the business and give us a little background on your life. Awesome. Um, like they said, I'm Stephanie, and um, I've been a geek my whole life. Um, nice. I actually had collected comic books when I was 10. I went out of town because I grew up in a very small 12-mile town that does not still to this day have a comic store. And I was walking around, and there's a comic shop that just ended up giving me my first Superman comic, and that became my addiction. And so it just grew from there Um, in, you know, back in the 90s and 2000s, it wasn't cool to be a geek. (laughs) So when I left my small town, I kind of hid that part of me Uh and uh, I still would go to all the movies dressed up to the first showing and everything just alone and (laughs) secretive. (laughs) So that was before it was like the trendy thing to do yes. to like all the superheroes and stuff. Exactly. Now we go and we meet other groups and we're all dressed up and take pictures. So it's fun now. But gotcha. gotcha. I did. I enjoyed it. And so what was the small town that you... Moab, Moab. Utah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, and then how long have you been here in Arizona now? Oh gosh, 12 and a half years. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, tell us a bit about your, your cosmetology journey, how that got started. Um... I had become a makeup artist and I realized that I only liked doing gore makeup. I could not make girls look pretty. It was just not in my DNA, I guess, to do it. And I met one of my best friends. I call her my $10,000 friend because I feel that's what I got out of the makeup school was her and not the makeup. And um, she had a friend that did cosmetology, and she's all, you should try it. I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I went to school, and I excelled pretty fast. It's a, usually a year long, and I did um, eight months. I finished it, and wow. I started with being able to – I got hired on as a color specialist because, like, oh, color's awesome yeah. and everything – I was like, but I don't know how my cuts are. I need to get better at my cuts and get better, well, like, rounded about mm-hmm. everything. And so I started at a, uh, just a chain, and I really decided I don't do good with women's hair. And so I kind of moved on to 
to a men's hair cutting and fell in love with it. And that's what I've stuck with. It's cool how uh, it progressed. Like you got into something, it wasn't really... You noticed that you didn't have the... Proper knack. The, the aptitude or whatever it was to be excellent at it. Yes. And, and so you shifted gears and then you found something that you could be excellent at. And yes. then you shifted gears again and found something you could be really excellent at. I love that. Um, so were you in uh, the makeup school when you met your $10,000 friend? That's where I met her. She uh-huh. was, uh, we were in it together and I'm a weird one. So I would lick her hand if she tried to do my makeup. Don't ask why. I'm, I'm really weird. I, it's just my personality. And she kind of, I guess, went with the saying, if you look at it, it's yours. <laughs> so she just became my best friend. And so did you have to transfer schools to the cosmetology school or did the same school offer the makeup and the Nope, I had, I actually was out of that school for two years before I went on to the hair. I did like um, haunted houses and independent films for like, and a zombie music video and stuff for the makeup, but it just, what, it didn't feel completely right. Mm -hmm. Didn't feel like you're in alignment. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, no, that's that's great. And I love the uh, the mindset around your ten thousand dollar friend because you you could have felt like you wasted that ten thousand dollars and got nothing out of it. But if it wasn't for that experience, you would have never met that friend. So just seeing that the time or the money that you put into something, you might not get what you think you were going to get out of it. But if you have a, a a more positive perspective, you can always see something positive out of your experiences in life. I would never regret it. Getting her then gave me my goddaughter that she gave me and everything. And it gave me a family because here I don't have any family. So it's given me one of the many families that have adopted me in. And it's amazing experience that I've never trade. Cool. And are you still in touch with her today? Oh yeah. We had a tea party in May celebrating our 10 years of friendship. Nice. Nice. So... So you get into to men's haircuts, you realize that that's you know, what you love or what you're good at, and then what what happens from there, working somewhere, doing that, till, till opening up your own shop? So I, in that time, realized I don't do good with corporate. I don't do good with keeping my mouth shut. And I didn't agree with how certain things were ran. And the truth behind a lot of the bigger businesses and corporate businesses is that it's not about the people. Like it's about your the customers because they give you money, but they don't care about your stylist. There were days that I was doing 30 haircuts and I had to pretend to go to the bathroom to eat in the bathroom to get my meal for that day. And then there was I think my final straw at the first one that I worked at was my one of my friends that I adopted at that place that I met, and we're still really close um, to this day, she ended up having a miscarriage. And the very next day, they're like, so when are you coming back? Not, how are you? Do you need some time off? Nothing like that. It was just a quick, when are you coming back to us? And it's like, I wasn't okay with that. And then there was a client that always requested me that just really creepy, gave the wrong vibes, And I talked to the manager, I talked to the owners, I talked to corporate, it's money, do their hair. And then when I left that place, they actually gave them my number. And so I got harassed even more, which is very illegal. And it was, but, and so just knowing that they don't care about their stylist, I just couldn't do. And I needed a place that 
I felt safe in and that I knew that if I could eventually grow, that I can be an owner that would actually protect its stylists and the people instead of just the customers. So before that, did you like if it would have worked out, would you have been happy to stay somewhere that treated you well? Or did you ever or in the back of your mind, were you ever planning on opening up your own place one day? Um, I think I was on the fence. Um, I definitely have big plans and always have. I've always been a very imaginative person and so I've always wanted to grow something that one my son could be proud of but also something that I could say changed people or helped people Mm -hmm. in a way Mm -hmm. so Steph how did you keep your passion going so you mentioned that you know you didn't find it uh you know, purposeful to do makeup and so you got into hair and then you didn't find it purposeful to do color so you got into cutting and then you didn't find it purposeful to do women's hair and then finally you found your passion like I love doing men's hair and then you get into the corporate world and it sounds like you're just getting beat up every day right yeah so how did you keep your passion of doing men's hair in spite of the environment that you were in I've always been one that can find the lightest, like the smallest light in something. I was born sick and I I was sick growing up um, and everything. So every year that I get older, I get more excited. And I've always had to look at the bright side of things. I can't eat certain foods. And so you got to look at... Well, there are some good foods I can't eat. I can't, like, there's just so many things I've been told I can't do. So I've always had to find the little things I can. No, that's great counsel. I love that. Um, so was that a quick decision? Like, was it one day you just woke up and you said, that's it, I'm done. I'm starting at my own place. Or did it take, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years even to kind of, you know, decide what you're going to do? A mixture of both. I had um, started to, like... I left that one place and went to a different owner to see if it would improve. Yeah. And uh, in ways it did. I did have to take a huge um, pay cut and everything to make it work. But it gave me more time with my son and things like that. But there were still a lot of things I disagreed with. And I was like, you know, it's, it's almost time. I need to do something for myself and try and make this work. Yeah. And so I've had to think of, do I want to continue with hair and put that passion together? Or do I want to come up, like, work on one of my other passions that I love? Because I'm definitely one that has a million different passions Mm -hmm. and try a million different things at least once. My garage is proof of that. Hmm. Um, But I finally was like, you know what? And in May of 2018, I had decided to start at least, I got a name, like coming up with a name. And then I went and I got the name set in stone for me. And I was like, just, you know, so I could play with when I wanted to. And then things happened. And by September, I was open at the next place and opened up my place. So it was pretty short notice and I went through a lot of trials when I first opened Mm -hmm. and it was extremely hard but I keep going (laughs) before we go into those trials let's dive deep into this period between May and September did you have a mentor to help you or did you have enough experience in working at the various salons that you kind of knew 
how to open up a shop and all the product you'd need and all the supplies you'd need and like walk us through that period of time and any mentors that helped you along the way in that period so i i did so i was assistant manager at both places um but I did a lot of managerial duties. I did the books on things. I did the um, ordering product. So I had a lot of that knowledge. And when it came down to having to make sure that I had, because in state board, you have to have a lot of like things posted in your salon. You have to ha- make sure you have a lot of things in your salon that like if they were to come in, they could dock your license if you did not have. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky at the time, the place I was at, the owners did say, hey, do you have this? You will need this. And they looked over my paperwork that I was filing to make sure that I was filing it correctly. So I did have that help. Mm-hmm. And it was very helpful because I I have taken a few business classes since I've opened. But I'm still in the dark in a lot of it, and I'm learning as I go. Yeah. Um, and then tell us a bit about you know the the creative process of not only deciding that you're going to open your own salon, but then combining it with another passion of yours. Um, the biggest choice was I had a lot of comics and a lot of um, stuff that just sat in my garage because I had nowhere to put it. And I figured if I can put my two passions together and create this comic-based salon, I would be in heaven for one. And two, kind of the clientele that I get is more like even at a um, sports-related place, I still somehow got all the comic nerds and (laughs) and things like that. Like my haircuts would always go over time because we'd be talking and talking about comics and everything and I had a few clients that like they would come in and if it was busy and they couldn't get to me they couldn't stay and wait they had too much anxiety and things like that and so I wanted to create a place that was comfortable where if you did have to wait you still felt in a comfort zone Mm -hmm. to wait and if you like but I'm appointment only that way you're not you're not waiting with other people it's your time you get to do it then you get to leave and the next person comes so I wanted a comfort place for all the people that came to me. Hmm. Can you touch on from your experience what the importance is of doing what you what you love and following your passions? Oh man. When you don't do what you love, you get burnt out so quickly and you end up taking it out on friends and family without ever realizing it until you're past it. And it hurts you, it hurts everyone around you. And if you stay in it too long, it just, it goes the wrong way and you're not happy. And so when you start doing what you love, you see a new spark. And no matter how bad things get, you know you can work through it because you're working towards something that you love. Mm-hmm. And so that's what kept me going. Cool, cool. Yeah, I think that kind of answers this, but I was going to say on the flip side of that, some people are hesitant to do what they love in business because then it becomes business, it becomes work, and they don't want to lose that spark or lose that passion. Um, Have you experienced anything like that? Or does the love for what you do outweigh the stress that comes with doing it? I feel it grows. I I meet people who are more educated in different comics different movies and 
just anime anime is my weakness i have watched some but i don't know too much about it but um just i get to learn so much i'm constantly learning and i love it so i'm learning about hair i'm learning about things that i love that i didn't know and facts that were like given to me that i'm like wow that's interesting Mm -hmm. and so i i learn more and i love it more each day yeah that's cool well, you talked a bit about trials that you had starting off. Do you mind, you know, kind of diving into a couple of those and, and what happened? Oh, man. Um, so when I opened, I opened September 18th or 16th of 2018. I was like, switch those around. Um, and I had talked to my place of business and I was like, look, I'm a city away. I'm not close. I would like to stay working here just part-time while I grow. I won't take any of my clients. Like, I just need the income Mm -hmm. to get started. And at first, they agreed. Well, within three weeks of opening up my business, I lost my job, I wrecked my car, and I lost my home. And so I was homeless. I was working on a job, uh, opening a business that... I literally opened with a credit card, no business loans, no nothing. And then I had no car and I was the biggest trial. I was like, is this a sign to close? Do I just give up and go look for work or what do I do? And I just had so many amazing people back me up. I ended up living in an Airbnb until someone took me in and me and my son couch surfed for a little bit until we found a place. And then I got a cheap $1,000 car <laughs> that I drive. And then I got um, a secondary, the Airbnb actually hired me to clean it um, part-time. So I made money doing that to then pay for my salon. It actually just happened to be three minutes down the road. So I could do both. And it was, everything just slowly came together. Wow. So... This is a a common thing when you start a business, like failure is guaranteed, you know, challenges are guaranteed. Um, And, you know, at at some point you have to decide, do I cut my losses and move on to something else? Or do I continue on to this commitment that I have to be successful? What was that process like for you? And what, what pushed you to the side of, I'm staying the course, I'm all in, and I'm going to make this successful no matter what. You know, I debate it even to this day. It's still a debate. Like, um, I just reopened after being closed for a year and two months because of COVID and everything. And so that was a huge, do I just let it fell or do I keep going? Um, and honestly, I'm stubborn. That's why I blame it on my Italian grandfather. Hmm. Um but I am stubborn and I believe in this and I have a vision of how big I want this to grow and I'm in for the long run. So for that year and two months that you were closed because of COVID, uh, did you let your lease go on your space that you had or did you have to pay your lease that whole time? $15,000 to not be there. It was the hardest thing, putting myself in debt to keep going mm-hmm. and it was just I I, I didn't want to restart completely when I yeah. came back I wanted some normalcy when I came back and I just found a way to make it work and I paid my rent 
every month and my landlords are amazing. They worked with me where I could pay every so much weekly instead of all one lump sum and Mm -hmm. everything. But yeah, it's, it was, I didn't get a break on it. I still had to pay, but I made that choice. Could you, with those first three trials and with COVID as well, could you just dive a little more into your mindset and like what went into making that decision? And I know you mentioned being stubborn. Um, that being said, though, was there still like a lot of back and forth or were you still just so firm on, on that decision to, to keep moving forward? I mean, I'll always go back and forth in my mind because mm-hmm. I always question every choice I make. Yeah. Is it the best one? Is it going to harm me or my son? Is it going to improve our lives? Um, I I debate all the time, no matter what it is. Um, it's just who I am. But I was firm. I, I knew like that I'm going to keep this going because I truly believe in what is growing. And right now it's men's hair. I'm looking for a stylist so that I can offer women's hair too because... I get there's geeky, geeky girls. I'm one of them. And <laughs> I feel so bad when they're like, hey, what about us? I'm like, mm-hmm. I promise you don't want to trust me to do your hair. <laughs> like, you don't. I'll find you someone, I promise. Yeah. Uh, COVID did put a cramp in that because a lot of stylists decide not to go back to being a stylist. They mm-hmm. lost their fire. And the way that a lot of us got treated when COVID hit, we don't have a huge backup we don't have things to fall on we don't have companies that give us paternity leave we don't have companies that give us um paid time off half the time we don't have companies who are like hey we're going to take care of you when you're sick we're going to take care of you like at any point it's you fend for yourself and if you're not making enough money you're not helping yourself enough stylists don't have any um health insurance we don't have a retirement we don't have any of that yeah so we truly do it over our passion Mm -hmm. you mentioned a lot of people lost that fire during covid other than your stubbornness like you mentioned what would you you know attribute your ability to not lose that fire to i to me haircutting is so easy i love it like doesn't ever feel like work uh-huh. at least since i've opened my place yeah i don't ever wake up and be like man i have to go in today i get excited and i i just love it so it's never been a question of losing my fire for mm. the business yeah it sounds like it comes natural too yes yeah. yes you mentioned that you had some people in your life uh, going back to those first big trials, which sound like the worst things that could happen to someone starting off in a business. Um, and then you mentioned you had some people in life that encouraged you to keep going. Um, was there any particular insight or quote or mindset or anything that someone said to you that was really beneficial that maybe you know someone listening that might be going through similar trials could benefit from? Um, you know, it was just a lot of the support that I needed to hear and telling myself that it's worth it. Um, Mm. everyone would tell me it's, you're your, you're your boss now. My last coworkers would be like, you know, you're not fit for the corporate world. Just keep going. Like they know I would argue with, (laughs) I argued with corporate a lot. They knew me for better or worse. Some hated me, some loved me for it. Um, but it was just 
every every person would support me and for the longest time I never felt like I had that and so the people even when I was younger who thought I was the mess up child or the as we now call it the free-spirited one who never stayed anywhere even they're like no this is this is you this is you're happy now you this has always been what you wanted like even if you didn't know it this is where you're meant to be and so hearing the support from people that I hadn't heard support from in a long time and stuff was that true fire yeah that's cool diving into that just one more level uh, I'm, I'm just curious how do you define success and how has that evolved over time because I, I you have such a unique mindset I really want to hear how you define success and how that's evolved Success to me is if I if I make it better than what it was before. I don't have to be with everyone else on their level, but if I'm improving myself or my business or my home, one, it doesn't have to be all three because at one time, one will be worse than the other. But as long as something is improving, I'm successful. And if my son's looking at me, where he's proud of me, I'm successful. It doesn't matter what other people think. That's what's success to me. You will only harm yourself if you try to compare your success with other people. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know if they have an upper hand to something. Yeah. You don't know what's been given to them. You don't know what they fought for or how long they fought for something. So to compare to anyone else is not fair. All you for can sure. do is better yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that because success can be so different for so many people just depending on what their goals are or where they are in life or where they have been in life. But I feel like that's a very you know general blanket idea that could apply to everyone that if you are improving, then that is some form of success or leading you to, to success. Is that something that you ever struggled with um, or have you always been able to you know not compare and not look at other people and what they're doing? Overall... I've never truly compared. I have nine siblings, and mm, so wow. I feel that I learned young that, I w- like I said, I was a troublemaker. So I, I knew not to compare to my siblings because I was always in the wrong. So I was like, <laughs> you know what, we're just going to live this way and and don't, don't look at the ones who are succeeding because one day I'll get there <laughs> just when I'm ready. Love it. It, it might be too soon to to have an answer to this question yet because I know sometimes it takes years to see, you know, the benefits of, of certain trials and, and things that happen in life. But, you know, with your mindset, talking about back to your $10,000 friend, how you were able to, to find something positive out of what could have been looked at as a negative experience. Have you seen any um, positives that have come out of, of those trials of getting started yet? Yeah. Um, I... I now I'm in a better place. Um, I have a home that I rent that I've been there for three years now that I enjoy and it's close to my son's school, mm-hmm. which is closer than I was before. Um, I get to focus on my business instead of focusing on separate things, which is nice. And then my car, I still have a crap car, but one day <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. The same one, the same thousand dollar car, or do you upgrade? I. I upgraded a year with the same crap car. Like, so it was still, it was um, the other one, something went out where it was a lot to fix it. So I just went and bought literally the exact same one 
just is a year newer and it was still crap and I paid an extra 200 so 1200 for it I don't care about how things look I'm not a materialistic person and so I don't care driving it around it literally one of the door handles aren't even on it I don't care if it runs and it gets me where I need to go I'm happy <laughs> and so maybe a Batmobile one day oh that'd be awesome but actually my goal is to get a double-decker bus and turn it into the night bus that oh, I'll no. park at hmm. Comic-Con and do people's hair and makeup and stuff before that's they really go cool. into Comic-Con. So That's super cool. I'm also going to assume that having so many trials right off the bat and having things that are going to question make you question whether you should keep going probably helped you when COVID hit. And since you've already had to deal with things and already had to push through, maybe that helped in some way to keep pushing through that next big trial. Um, yeah, I think so. And for me, honestly, as bad as COVID was, um, I had to stay safe. I had an underdeveloped lung, so I couldn't do anything until I got my vaccine. But, um, it was a breath of fresh air getting to step back, see what I had done with my business in that time, see where I can grow, uh, spend the year with my son a lot more, um, help him. He started his own little YouTube channel. He's only 11, so it's oh, like no they can't do comedy or anything like that, but something that he's getting his own passion for. Uh-huh. Um, and then it was just, it, got, it allowed me to take a look at myself and build up myself instead of focusing on everything else that I've been doing because I just you stop focusing on yourself when you get too busy focusing on everything else yeah yeah so to me it was a it was a small blessing I lost some people along the way Mm -hmm. last year I lost 10 people three of them to COVID so Mm -hmm. it was it was a harsh year but in a lot of ways it made a better year you find yourself spending more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it then you need to get in touch with flamingo pools flamingo pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the east valley whether it's weekly maintenance repairs green to cleans or one-time cleanings flamingo pools is there to take care of you here's a few things that makes flamingo pools stand out from the crowd when you first sign up for service they'll give you a free complimentary inspection of the pool to make sure everything is running smoothly They'll also email you a service report with a picture attached after every visit so you know when your pool has been cleaned. They also offer a mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and get your first month of weekly maintenance free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. Well, let's, let's get into the business now. Talk to us about, you know, Marvelous Fanatics Salon, what it is, what you guys offer, and, and what the experience is really for your customers that come in. Okay, so right now it is a men and boys haircutting salon. Um, I am looking to grow. Like I said, I'm looking for a stylist so that I can offer everything for the female hair and stuff but at this point I just cut men and boys hair and they get a wash that comes included and everything um you go in and it's a little studio it's just a little two chair studio right now but it's just 
everything. It has a Doctor Who TARDIS blinds. It has a Harry Potter wall. It has Ninja Turtles hung above the stations. It has um, DC, Marvel, some anime, um, just everything. And it, the best thing is, a lot of it is my personal collection. But people who have come in there were like, oh my gosh, I have something I want to put in here. Can I add something? And so I have been given things from clients, things from random people that saw my salon and were like, hey, can this go in there? And so it builds up and it actually became a game for some of the kids to find what was new in my salon that month (laughs) when they came in for their haircut. Oh, that's cool. And then one of the biggest things that I pride myself that I get to offer is kids if they read a comic to me while I cut their hair parents get three dollars off the kid's haircut but also the kids get to take home another comic book to keep for their own collection that's cool and so that and it actually that I didn't get to offer before the taking home comics I got to offer the discount but during quarantine I actually reached out to one of my nerdy groups and I was like hey I do this I want to offer them to take home a comic book because you know we we want to keep the future of comic collecting going and I had over 1100 comics donated from all over the country from different people and it was just so truly amazing wow I was gonna say uh, you know you're normally your comic collection is pretty sacred to you it's your baby right yes (laughs) It'd be really painful to me. I'm imagining giving away your own comics. But when you had all those donations, that answered my question. Yep, yep. I And I did go through my personal collection also and put some in too. Um, and it is hard. But I've, like me, I have uh, just under 600 comics in my personal collection. And I am wow. a baby collector compared to a lot really? of people in my group. Like what made me think of it was because they're like, we posted, like someone posted this thing, how many comics do you have in your collection? And legit, people were posting saying over 300,000 comics. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I guess I'm just a newbie here. <laughs> but um, so, you know, when, when you have that many, you don't read them anymore. And it's nice to give them a new life or give them to the future yeah, of yeah. comics collecting. What's your favorite or your most valuable comic that you have? Oh my gosh. Um, so I don't have too many valuable. I don't even have, I think my most valuable is Spider-Gwen at $350. Huh. Um, but my biggest collection is Deadpool. I have out of my 600, I think around 200 of them are Deadpool alone. Uh-huh. And then I would say West Coast Avengers is probably my second biggest collection. Yeah. But... I like Deadpool is just for me. I won't let my son read it until he's 16. We have an agreement. He doesn't get to watch the movies. He doesn't get to read the comics or anything like that until he's 16. But um, it's a comedy that I just love because, you know, he knows he's in the comics and things like that. So it just it's a great way to have a nice laugh. And it always stays with what's current in the time when they make that comic so right. they have some where it talks about harry potter they have some like you know he's even gone over to dc before so to me i love him the most and then of course in my heart i always love superman because he was my first true comic and as a kid um i had a pretty dark past and so to have the superman it was my protector and it really helped me get through a lot of dark times yeah 
talk to us about you know your customer because superheroes is kind of like a resurging thing there's a lot of popularity around it right now so do you have a lot of uh, just like general people that generally enjoy superhero and like older people too or is it just like younger kids like what what is your audience oh no i have all ages um my oldest client will proudly say he's my oldest he's 87 years old Mm. um and then my youngest was six months and so I have all ages, and honestly, I would say men in their 30s to 40s is probably my biggest group. Hmm. Um, but And you get some who aren't comic uh, fanatics, yeah. but they came in um, just to support a small business or because someone recommended it to them, and uh-huh. I guess I do a good enough haircut that they stay <laughs> But I've had people, I've had some of my clients have followed me around my whole career from my very first place all the way to where I'm at now. And I have people who come from, um, let's see, my farthest would be Santan for that direction. And then all the way to Peoria or Glen. I don't know which is further, Peoria or Glendale. Um, And I'm in Chandler, so they come a good distance. That's right. You know, you got something to give somebody drives from Peoria to Chandler for a haircut. <laughs> right? It's only once a month. <laughs> <laughs> and do you offer any sort of like superhero or Marvel themed haircuts? Like can someone come get come in for like a Thor haircut or They can and I've had people I have um I actually just did a uh what oh I did Captain America after let's see, it was for in-game haircut so it still has some of that shag to it Uh um i've done once thor ragnarok came out i did the lines in the hair for that (laughs) um i have actually a girl who cosplays as captain america and before every um comic-con because she travels all over the country to comic-cons she comes in and gets her captain america haircut i've done tony stark i've done so I, they'll, some do themes, some don't. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Obviously, it sounds like for anyone who has any sort of interest in comics or Marvel or superheroes, they come in and they have a fantastic experience related to that. How important is is the skill level or the actual service being performed versus the importance of the experience that they have when they're in, in the shop? So I guess in the industry, people will say... Um, you can be a little less good with your haircuts if your personality is good. Because if people feel comfortable and you're doing a good enough job, then you'll keep clients. But when you do an amazing job at hair and you offer an atmosphere that people are comfortable with, you grow lifetime clients. Yeah. And so for me, I've grown these lifetime clients and I'm always perfecting my skill. I take classes still to this day. I always um, watch other people. I'm not afraid to ask for help. I actually have neighbors in my studio that uh, do straight razor and I've gone to them and they're going to teach me to do straight razors so that I can mm-hmm. add that. Like I'll, I'll always grow and I'll never not ask for help when needed. Mm-hmm. And is that pretty typical in your community of, of stylists that you support each other and help each other? Or is it more possessive of knowledge and 
every person for themselves what's what's the general culture of your community i you know you do have some that think it's a cutthroat community and they kind of keep to themselves but i feel overall we pride ourselves on wanting to help each other there's what even seven million people here in arizona alone i can't cut seven million people's hair why would i (laughs) want to not help people like it's not like there's a limited amount of people for me to like to be like no I can't help you I need them all like we we grow and we help each other there's groups all over Facebook of hey I did my client's hair it came out not right what can I do when she comes back or I um, messed up this haircut I don't know like should I just give up we we build each other up when people be like oh my gosh I've done that before and this is what I learned of why I did this and so we're very good even owners we're always um helping each other out we like um we kind of talked about before we started it um I met with a group of different owners um to just kind of talk and see give advice to each other on how we can better our own businesses and help look for um because all of us are looking for people either to rent a station or to come work for us yeah and so we kind of just got together to talk and kind of plan of how we can help each other do that we traded numbers i had a girl message me um yesterday being like hey girl there's there's someone looking um, down in your neck of the woods. Can I give her your number and send her your way? And so we we try and pride ourselves on helping each other out. That's really cool. Have you always, I guess, been that type of person with, with an abundance mindset that's looking to give because you know that, you know, when you give out, you're just going to eventually get back? Is that something that comes natural to you or did you kind of have to learn that that was, you know, what was going to help you to be successful? I have always been a giving person, um, and it's not to get something back. Um, you never know if, if it will come back, but it's you. You want a better world, and it's not going. You can't depend on other people to make what you want. Yeah, you have to be the face of that, yeah. and so I've always been. Even if it's my last dollar, let's go share something. Like, I I can always get more. Mm-hmm. It's just you have to help the people who can't help themselves because you never, if you turn your cheeks saying someone else will, what if everyone else does? Right. It's not fair to them and it's, it's not right of you. Be the better person that you want everyone else to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thanks for pointing out that the reason of doing it isn't obviously to get back, but it just seems like the more that you do give and then you're you're just spreading that mentality and that mindset, then it just attracts other people that are similar like that and end up giving back to you as well. It does. It's just when you have that mentality, I, I feel I've seen too many people say, well, I keep doing this and no one's done anything for me, but it takes time. Yes, things always do come back to you, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it takes a little longer. Yeah, And sometimes you forget that it was even because you put stuff out there. So to be more of don't do it to get something back because you never know when it will come back. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Going back to customers, especially starting off, going because you you target such a you know a specific customer that has a certain um, passion or interest. 
were you nervous at all getting started that you know you wouldn't have enough people especially being a brand new business that that in a small area would be interested in that service i think the thing i was nervous about was if my business failed would it destroy my passion Hmm. and so when i did my open house i literally was hyperventilating and had so much anxiety that I actually went to one of my favorite comic book stores and I sat there and read for for an hour. I just read different comics and then I I think I walked out with 25 new comics because that's just like that's instead of buying like new clothes and stuff I'll buy new comics when I have anxiety (laughs) and so that's why my my thing I guess grows so big (laughs) but um so the fear was do people not love what I love enough because I was putting my passions together and so failing I felt would be more personal at that point that makes sense and and what did you do and what do you continue to do to to find customers and get new customers to find out about you that's a hard one um and I'm still growing and trying to get people to find out about me when I started I did Groupon and it did give me a lot of good clients. It really did. But at the same time, I was making $6 a haircut off of those. And half of them that it did bring me were people just for that discount. And you knew they weren't going to come back unless I offered that discount again. Right. And I can't survive a business off of $6 a person. And um, so, and I did that all the way until COVID hit. And then I canceled it and I came in with a, you know what, I'm starting fresh and I get that, but I'm not doing discounts. I know my value. I also had to set my prices of what I needed for my business to survive and for me to survive. And so for me to discredit what I've done, the schooling I've done, the classes I've done since schooling and what I continue to do is not fair. I'm worth my value and to it's the hardest thing to learn. Mm -hmm. And that is one thing that I have to remind myself when people are like, oh, you seem a little pricey. I'm worth my value. I know what I do. I've done it for so long and I guarantee everything I do. So I'm worth that money. Cool. Does social media help? I know you have a a social media account, Instagram. So does that help at all with finding new customers? It does. It does. And actually a lot of my old clients, because I was trying to figure out, I had to... just started becoming more techie yeah. so everything before was all paper so i was like how am i gonna let my clients know that i'm back open and i started boosting on facebook and things and that's how a lot of them saw that i was back open oh really yeah and so um i'm definitely using that word of mouth is a huge one yeah um even someone had saw my facebook and posts and then they came in and then within the exact um week apart they had a friend coming in because they shared that word of mouth. Um, and so that's a huge one. And it's just trying to get my name out there. I'm hoping that I'm growing something that's unique enough that people want to talk about it. Yeah. Cool. Do you have any employees? Not yet. Um, it is something I want to do. Um, I'm learning. I've met with other people to talk about how I go about it. Right. And now it's kind of just... Uh, pulling the trigger on doing it because it's going to take a hit in the business before it grows in the business. And so it's 
am I ready for like I need to know so I'm like I'm I finally opened up my second chair is either I'll do a commission or I will rent it out I'm open to either one at this point mm-hmm. and just see how it goes from there but it'll be a learning experience yeah. so we locked we talked to a lot of people about looking back you know when did they know when it was the right time to to make that hire but for you looking forward when do you feel like you're gonna be ready to make that hire and, and what goes into that decision what I'm realizing is you'll never fully be ready. Like, you just have to Great. do it. Um, because I sat there, I've met with, I can't tell you how many owners, and I've, I I have notebooks full of, like, when what did you do? What should I do? Yeah. And everything like that. And it just, I was like, okay, I know what to do. Let's do it. But then I kept, and it's like, no, I'm never going to fully be ready. Uh-huh. So to me, it's, Put it out there, and when the time is right, apparently it's the time to do it. I love that. Yeah, no, no one would ever hire if they waited until they were fully ready to, right. to make that first exactly. hire, especially. <laughs> uh, well, other than an employee, what does the future look like for your salon? Oh, my goodness. I am ready to grow. Like, I, of course, I need more clients so that I can get the money to grow. Yeah. But um, I want my own place. Like I said, it's just a little two-chair studio right now. I want a big place where you come in and there's hair, there's makeup, there's for men and women, there's um, just everything. It's a full experience, a full salon but everything still have its individual touch to it. Yeah. Um, and then the double-decker bus is another goal of mine. That's really cool. Um, but honestly, overall, my end game would be to grow it to where other people want to copy it in other places. Yeah. Like, I know I'm not going to have that, like, hey, let's start it in more states and more states. Mm-hmm. Like, I've I never went to school for that. I never went to like it's not something that I personally can see myself doing maybe close states um down the road but to have other people to pass it on also and share that because everywhere love like people love comics it's not just here for sure and so it's just I want to see other people succeed along with me yeah Stephanie you shared so much good advice with us and and talked into we've talked about your mindset whether it's around trials or your positive attitude um just your giving mindset if you could share one last piece of advice with us um what what would it be is don't rely on other people but always don't be afraid to ask for help people will help but there will also be people there to tear you down Mm -hmm. And you just have to listen to what you believe in. Because if you listen to everyone else, it's not going to be what you want it to be. You need to take it step by step. And no matter how much you prepare for the bad, expect there to be more bad. But always keep going because eventually it gets better. Love that positivity that's just been woven through uh, almost every answer you've given us today. Yeah, and and just from you know your story from where you started to where you are now, you can see how that's come to fruition and, and been true in your life so far. So that's yeah. super cool. Okay, well, Stephanie, before we close up, we have a, a little game we're going to play with you. Okay. Um, so how it works is we have a list of 20 questions we're going to ask you. Oh, and you have a minute to answer as many of them as you can. <laughs> okay. And we'll see how you square up against... Uh, I'm nervous. The rest. 
There's one question I can't wait to hear the answer to. Oh, no. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yep. Awesome. You can go ahead and start us off in three, two, one. Your dream vacation. Italy. First thing you'd buy if you won a million dollars. A good home. Favorite hobby. Ooh, uh, gaming. Uh, if there was an Olympic competition for everyday activities, what activity would you have a good chance at winning a medal in? Being lazy. A song you've been jamming to lately. Oh, talk nerdy to me. Um, if you live to be 100, would you rather have the mind or the body of your prime self? The mind. I don't care your, about body. Your favorite holiday? Christmas. Favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate with cookie dough. Favorite fictional character? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I'll have to go with... Uh, Oh my gosh, Superman. <laughs> Favorite smell? Uh, campfire. What's your nickname? Lemon. Pet peeve? Uh, dishonesty. Favorite restaurant? Ooh, um, grill and chop. And there's our time. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you didn't get stuck up on the fictional character, you might have gotten a high <laughs> score there. Oh that my. was the question I couldn't wait to hear the answer I, of all the comics. There's yeah. so many. I know, it's, it's hard. Am I... I love so many fictional characters just because they they get they get you out of your own head and put you in a new world. Mm-hmm. And so that's a hard that's the hardest one. <laughs> yeah. And you briefly touched on it, but you said that, you know, as silly as superheroes are that it had a really positive impact on you especially as a kid and helped you get through some tough times. Yeah, they just they're there's a superhero for everyone. Like even the small ones that most people don't know about like Pixie in X-Men is one of my favorites, and a lot of people don't know who she is. Um, I just feel no matter what, there's a comic for everyone. There's the independent comics, there's Dark Horse, there's, like, it does, it it isn't only Marvel and DC. So for people to look and be like, oh, I don't like those, it's too, there is every, I even have a comic book that's called The Generic Comic Book hmm. about a generic superhero and a generic villain. Like, <laughs> there's no names, no nothing. It is so mundane, and I love it. Like, there's something for everyone. That's cool. Well, for all of our comic fans listening or anyone uh, looking to get a good haircut soon, tell our audience where they can find out more about you or, or come check you out. So if you go to MarvelousFanaticSalon.com, you can book through there because I am appointment only. I am in Chandler on Alma School, Alma School between Elliot and Ray inside Limage Studios. Um, but you can follow me on Instagram. I'm pretty sure it's Marvelous Fanatic Salon. Yep. And then... Um, same with Facebook. I'm cool. on there. Cool. And then I know you have a, a special offer for our listeners. Do you want to share that real quick? Yeah. Um, I really appreciate you guys listening to my story and everything. And so if you mention the podcast, you'll get $5 off your haircut. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Stephanie, thanks again for coming on and, and sharing all your knowledge with us. Really appreciate it. And thanks for having the conversation. Okay. I've had a blast. Us too. Okay. Well, have a good week, everyone. Thanks, and Steph. we'll catch you next time. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, if you or someone you know is an entrepreneur in the East Valley, we'd love to have you on the show. Please get in touch with us by emailing us at localhustlerspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at localhustlerspodcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for the latest news and updates.
Also, if you enjoyed the show, please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button. It lets us know how we're doing and helps us grow so we can reach more locals, entrepreneurs, and help small businesses grow. Thanks, guys.